pray as we come to God's word. Lord, we humble ourselves before your word. We thank you that your word is inspired by you and we pray that your spirit will open our hearts and minds to receive, to understand, to obey and to serve you in this world. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, what a reading. This is the word of the Lord, we say. Cutting off hands and legs, cutting eyes out, divorce, children. And in the middle of it, a couple of verses with three mysterious sayings about salt. So I hope you feel sorry for me. <laughs> I certainly struggled with this passage to understand how I might bring to you a sermon that reflects what is here in a faithful way and yet which is also contemporary. And uh, so uh, actually God has given me something to bring to you and the theme that I've taken for this is the harvest of fruitful lives because it's harvest thanksgiving as well and I've got to weave all that in. So the harvest of fruitful lives and I want to look at these three separate parts of the teaching of Jesus through the lens of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And not love, joy, peace, the first three that we often think about, but the last three. And the first of those, the very last one that's mentioned of the fruit of the Spirit is self-control. That is mastery over ourselves and the selfishness that so easily erupts in us. And to think about what Jesus is saying here in the first part of the teaching about our hands, our feet and our eyes. Our hands so often selfishly grasp what is not ours in theft or they hit out in violence because of temper or they grope because of desire. Feet, going places where we should not go. A seance, a brothel, a conspiracy meeting, a casino eyes, coveting what we should not have for ourselves. It may be lots of clothes or cars or houses or food or drink. It could be pornography or drugs, any kind of addiction. Just think of David and Bathsheba. He saw her with his eyes, they walked to each other, they embraced with their hands. Think of a shoplifter. You see something. You want it. You walk towards it with your legs. Get hold of it with your hands. Think of that heinous evil of child abuse that Jesus perhaps reflects in those first verses if we cause any one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck. And the evil that is, and how people suffer, lifelong suffering, maybe even some of you. And I don't have time to deal with all that, but it is alluded to here, and it is because of the lack of self-control. 
So the fruit of the Spirit, and what I would just say, if any of you are, if I've touched any nerves of any of this that I've said, pornography or anything else, or addiction of some kind, uh, do seek help, seek prayer, and seek someone to work alongside with you to work through those things, and seek God's forgiveness and his grace in your lives. It's great that in many ways the Church of England, I mean the church is not exempt from all of this as you know, and the Church of England has, in common with other churches, taken a lot of steps uh, in recent years, safeguarding procedures, and also there was a superb article in last week's Church Times uh, by Chris Coxworth, who is the Bishop of Coventry, and it was all about you know, the glibness of forgiveness, you know, or it doesn't matter, we forgive. He's saying forgiveness is not a substitute for justice, for healing, or for repentance. And the whole article is really excellent about how the church should uh, respond and act faithfully to scripture and yet with compassion. Well, the fruit of the Spirit then is self-control needed because of our natural selfishness that so often erupts. And we just need to take steps to cut it out. It is the mastery of self, that's what the word means, and the interests, really, of being able to help others. That's what it's about. And so let's turn it on its head and think positively about how we can use hands, legs, and eyes. We see a need and we can then walk to it, and we can do something about it with our hands. You know, Graham Tomlin did this. He's the Bishop of Kensington. He was the principal of St. Melitus. And um, when the fire at Grenfell happened, he, fairly fast, he wrote to all the clergy in the, that part of the Diocese of London and said, I want you to put your clerical collars on, and you see the need, Go with your feet and help with your hands. Maybe practical, maybe with a hand up praying for people. Just be there. Here we have gifts for food bank, and there'll be far more through the day. The vision is people have seen the need of those who don't have sufficient. They go, and many of you do this. You go to the food bank, and you use your hands to help people by giving them what they need. So there's a positive way of regarding Jesus' teaching here. Self-control, mastery of self, in order that we might be able to serve and help others with eyes, legs, and hands. So give yourselves to that, as Jesus did. That's what he did. So often with his miracles, he saw someone's need. He went towards them, and he touched them. Isn't that what we should be doing? Isn't that what he did on the cross? He saw our need. He came to this earth and walked this earth and he put his hands out on the cross. And he says to all of us, as he says to those little children, come to me, I want to bless you. The second section, all about divorce. I'm on delicate territory here. Jesus is saying that marriage is very important. In the beginning, God created man and woman to be companions, 
to be partners and to be fruitful in having children and families. And God's intention was that those relationships should be stable and lifelong. Those whom God has joined together, let no one put asunder. We say in our marriage service, don't we? That's the intention, that those words are the words of Jesus in the passage we read. So Jesus is upholding faithfulness in marriage, which leads us to the second fruit of the Spirit that I want to talk about, faithfulness. Now, there are many ways in which faithfulness can be exercised, displayed, many types of relationships in life and in work, in families and generally, and especially in our relationship to God and to his word, to be faithful to his son, Jesus Christ. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a fruitful life. It's part of the harvest of fruitfulness that we're talking about. So what about marriage and divorce? So let's grasp the nettle. Divorce, though never welcome, is allowable in Scripture. It is provided for. Jesus says so. He says, Moses gave you uh, writing a bill of divorce. You could do it. The trouble was that different scribes and rabbis had interpreted this in different ways. So there's one branch uh, following a, a rabbi called Shammai who said, uh, divorce can only be for adultery. Very strict. There was another branch, much more liberal, following a rabbi called Hillel, who said it can be almost anything, really. You know, if you, my wife, if you burn the toast, you're out. <laughs> or if you chatter too much, you're out. I mean, it was really capricious. And Jesus, and, and actually another point about the Jewish law, it did not allow a wife to treat her husband that way. So um, if the husband is not doing what he should be doing, she had to put up with it. Now, what is Jesus doing here? He is protecting and advocating the rights and well-being of women, actually. He's saying it's wrong to divorce for these trivialities. You shouldn't be doing it, men. You shouldn't be treating your wives in this capricious and trivial way. And he implies too, because he said a woman, if she divorces her husband and remarries, commits adultery, implies that a woman should also be able to divorce her husband, which wasn't allowable under Jewish law. So do you see what Jesus is doing, actually, being, they, they were trying to trip him up with the question they asked, you know, is it lawful to divorce your wife? He's actually saying he's maintaining the uh, dignity and the rights of women and promoting their equality. But with many changes in our society and in our 21st century culture, what do we make of all this? And are there other grounds for divorce? Well, seven years ago, I was asked to do a seminar on divorce and remarriage at Christchurch, Waterton Road, at the request of the vicar, Susie Sanders, who was going through a divorce. And there was quite a lot of sort of discussion and trouble in the church, and they wanted someone from outside to give them a seminar on it, and to help them. And they asked me, with all my experience of divorce. No, I haven't got any, uh, thankfully. And it was about three quarters of an hour. The talk I gave was about three quarters of an hour, and then about half an hour of discussion. So, are you ready for that? <laughs> I can, what I can do is skim the surface, really. But 
we, I'm sure we'd all agree, divorce is a painful thing. And some of you have known that pain. That's why Restored Lives is so very, very good. The course that we run here at St. Saviour's Restored Lives. I think the very title of it is Rich. A Life Can Be Restored. It's a good title. A life can be fruitful once more. The fruitfulness of our lives uh, can come through after experiences like divorce. But we, I think we should ask the question, what does Scripture as a whole teach? Because what Jesus has said here is just a little snippet, really. It teaches that divorce is uh, regrettable and God doesn't like it or wish it, wish it, and nor do any of us, really. Yet God himself is described as divorcing faithless Israel. Jeremiah 3, verse 8, I gave faithless Israel a certificate of divorce and sent her away. Why? Because the covenant had been broken. Now, I think it's very important to grasp that. There are three main grounds, I believe, where in Scripture for uh, divorce and for the permissibility of remarriage. And they all begin with A, which is quite helpful. The first one, clearly, is what Jesus mentions in Matthew, is adultery. And then um, the, but isn't, the fact that it's not mentioned in Mark shows that what Jesus said here is a summary. It's not his complete thinking about it all. The second is abandonment. 1 Corinthians 7.15, if a husband or wife abandons a believer, then they are free. And the third one is abuse because, going back to what I said about God in the Old Testament, covenant vows are broken. You know, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death us do part. If the covenant vow is broken, then uh, by abuse, that is a, a good, a biblical ground for divorce. So, adultery, abandonment and, div and abuse. Divorce, permissible. What about remarriage after divorce? Well, there are some verses in 1 Corinthians 7 which are often mistranslated, and uh, the New American Standard Bible and various other versions have got it right, and these, this is what it says. Are you bound to a wife? In other words, are you married? Do not seek to be released, right? Don't seek it, but it can happen. Are you released from a wife? And it uses the same word. Are you released from a wife? In other words, have you been married and you're now no longer married, released? Do not seek a wife, otherwise, but, but if you marry, you have not sinned, right? If you marry, if you remarry, in other words, you have not sinned. So Jesus and the scriptures uphold faithfulness and Jesus is protecting women from men's capricious actions and elsewhere scripture allows divorce and remarriage in certain circumstances. So we're not to judge but to trust and support and care for people who go through the pain of desertion or abuse or breakup or divorce and to seek healing in the pain and to offer loving acceptance. Restored lives, isn't it such a wonderful title? Yes, restored with new beginnings and new hope 
to become a fruitful life. And many of you know what that means to, through your own circumstances or through people you know who've been through those kinds of experiences and there's hope. And as we think about the harvest of fruitful lives, we want to embrace faithfulness and in a broader context too for all of us, whatever our situation, to be faithful in our relationships, in family, with our friends, faithful at work, faithful in our business dealings, our word should be our bond, and faithful to God, to his uh, scriptures, to the word that he's revealed to us, to his son Jesus Christ. So we come then to Jesus and the children, the third incident. People brought them for blessing. The disciples didn't like it. They didn't think that Jesus should be bothered and they're quite indignant. And Jesus says, let them come. The kingdom belongs to people like them. And he blessed them. And you know the word there is an imperfect tense. He kept on blessing them as if he's saying to the disciples, you know, you're trying to stop them. I want them to come. He said, keep coming. I want to bless you. Keep coming to me. So here we have a third fruit of the Spirit for ourselves to come to Jesus like little children, gentleness. If you think about children, what are their qualities? Many different qualities. Gentleness, I mean, I know you can find exceptions, um, but gentleness. So often they're open, they're loving, they're trusting, they're wanting to learn, they're curious, they're humble. You think of that lovely picture we all saw of uh, Prince George on his first day at school, you know, trustingly taking the hand of his new teacher. You know, they trust gently. So gentleness is something to aspire to for ourselves. And you, you know, your children, your grandchildren, many of you, and other people's children, and what a delight they are because of their gentleness and their enthusiasm and their innocence. So we're not to be like the disciples were, push people away from Jesus, rather to invite people to be blessed by Jesus, be gentle like a child and come to Jesus ourselves. As we come to communion in a few moments, imagine yourself just as a child coming to Jesus to be blessed. That's what you want to do, isn't it? Come to Jesus as you take bread and wine and be blessed by him, humbly trusting him. So here we have the three fruits of the Spirit, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, the mastery of self that we might serve others. And you know, the great thing is that we're not on our own if we say, well, how can I fulfill all that? The Holy Spirit, these are gifts and fruit of the Spirit. We're not on our own. God is with us by his spirit to help us to live these ways, to be willing and receptive and open and obedient, to be a fruitful person for him. And as I look around, many of you are. You are living fruitful lives because God has blessed you and God is with you. And he continues to be with you that you might bring forth those fruits of faithfulness and gentleness and self-control in the service of others. Amen.
going to um, just have a, a time.